Hey, I know you're probably driving or running or cleaning the house or doing something else when you're listening to this, but look, if you're a B2B marketer and you need to start generating revenue from your marketing, then you have to check out our 12-week program, the B2B Incubator. It's built for small, in-house B2B marketing teams with limited time and budget. We give you the strategy, the templates, and the tools to start driving revenue, not just leads. So if you're ready to act on all the advice Kevin and I give you, next time you take that first sip of coffee in the morning, make sure you head to the B2B Incubator and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort with our next one launching at the end of May, 2024. Remember, the B2B Incubator, apply now so you don't miss out. We've had B2B marketing managers, CMOs, marketers in demand generals, content leads, and more all go through this program and they're currently executing the demand strategies that they've created. Some are now even contributing as much as 80% of the pipeline to their business after working through it. Make sure you check out the b2bincubator.com and apply now to start driving more demand and more revenue for your brand. Okay, let's get on with the show. Welcome to another show of Execution Matters Podcast. Today, I've got one of the great experts in B2B marketing, George, as my guest. So about George, he's a co-host of B2B Playbook and founder of the B2B Incubator, where he teaches B2B marketers and entrepreneurs to generate demand effectively. So thanks, George, for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Boovy. It's an absolute pleasure to be here, and thank you for the kind words. Excellent. And let's start this podcast with defend the terms like the demand we have got the demand creation and demand capture so for our audience could you please tell the primary difference between demand creation and demand capture in b2b marketing yeah of course so they're the two really components of demand generation demand capture and demand creation um so demand capture that's about targeting the three percent of people who are in your market that are ready to buy right now It's looking at how can you capture those people and turn them into paying customers as efficiently as possible. So a typical demand generation activity or demand capture activity would be running Google ads and you might be targeting keywords that are searched by people who are looking to buy a product like yours right now. So let's say that you sell a CRM that's designed for real estate agents. You might bid on keywords like best CRM for real estate agent or real estate CRM comparison or something like that. So We're targeting people late in their buying journey. Creating demand, on the other hand, that looks to the other 97% of the market who isn't in buy mode right now. And your goal there is to build a relationship with them and create an intense desire for them to purchase from your brand. Now, this group of people, they're often unaware or problem aware. So it becomes your job as the marketer to make them feel the pain of the problem that they have that your product solves and lead them to the logical conclusion that you guys are the best people to remedy that pain. Excellent there. Because ultimately it's all, all about those brands who, do, who does that, the consistent branding for a period of time, right? They stays in the minds of those ideal customers, right? Because if everyone goes for that, the 5% of the market, like you are like in a tough competition out there. So when you do that consistently with this, demand creation definitely when the people are ready to buy you are on the top of their mind excellent there so let's talk about the strategic importance okay so why do you think 
like it is really vital for the B2B companies to focus not just on capturing existing demand, but also on creating and generating new demand. Yeah, look, you have to do both. Demand generation only works when you're both creating and capturing it. And Bovi, I learned this lesson the hard way. Um, working as a performance marketer, uh, probably one of the, the hardest lessons I learned was when I was working for a financial services company. And we were running high intent, lower funnel channels for them like Google Ads. And let me tell you, at the beginning, it's like we were rock stars, right? We were bringing in all these opportunities. The founders are so excited, telling me how awesome I was, how fast they're going to grow. We kept reinvesting the money that they were making to scale. Um, as we spent more, our cost per lead and our cost per acquisition kept going up and it kept going up and up. And the founders obviously wanted us to turn it around we tried to, but they became impatient. I lost so much sleep checking on performance on weekends, just praying things would go better. I'm a good performance marketer. I was doing everything that I could, but there was just nothing I could do on the technical performance side to bring it down. And it was there I learned the hard truth about capturing demand. And that's, again, if you're just capturing demand, you're just competing for that 3% of the market that isn't necessarily expanding. And the competition is often increasing. There's often more and more people competing for that 3% of people. So as you try and grow and you try and take your share of that 3%, your acquisition costs keep going up. It becomes unsustainable. It's like, as you said, it's like jumping into a pool full of sharks, uh, all competing for the same limited number of fish. If, on the other hand, you're also creating demand, you're helping to create more people in market that are ready to buy. And when they're ready to buy, they come to you because they've got that relationship with you. And it's incredibly important to build that relationship before they're ready to buy. And there's some great research that backs this. It's from Bain and Company. And they show that 81% of companies will not buy from you unless you're top of mind before they start looking for a solution. So that means if these people haven't heard of you before, most won't buy from you even if they discover you at the point where they're ready to buy. So really, that means that 3% of the market that's ready to buy right now, you're not eligible for that whole 3%. Only 20% of that 3% would consider purchasing from you if you don't do demand creation. And trying to find those is like a needle in a haystack. And that's why it's so hard. So true. Even I can relate that in the things like, what are the things that we buy? Like, for example, right, recently I purchased this Riverside.fm, right? So I was in search for a lot of uh, the podcast software. So I was using Squadcast, I was using another one. So basically, when I, why I bought Riverside, the reason was in like, I was watching all those YouTube videos. It was so helpful. Whatever we need to start a podcast, it was there. So basically, they was creating a lot of demand for them, right? Without doing the demand capture. So they were doing a lot of videos out there, a lot of educational videos out there. So that made me you know i got a lot of idea about how to do this podcast everything so when i decided okay i need to buy this the riverside.fm was in top of my mind so i can completely relate that i mean the way we buy the things so let's talk about some tactics and techniques okay so could you please talk about some of the most effective techniques or strategies that you have utilized or witnessed in creating and generating demand especially in the saturated markets yeah definitely look we might be a little bit biased, but we think that our framework for demand generation can really be applied in all markets, even saturated ones. And that's because, again, it's a framework. The tactics within it might change, but the framework is very flexible. And 
There's three fundamental parts to our framework. We call them Be Ready, Be Helpful, Be Seen. It's what we cover on our podcast, and I'll just cover them off quickly. Um, Be Ready, the first part, is really about truly, deeply understanding your customers. So you need to know who your best customers are. You need to understand their pain points. You need to know who the buying committee is, what their buying journey looks like, where they hang out, and who influences them. It's then incredibly important, particularly in a saturated market, for marketers to position their brands as a total no-brainer in the mind of the customer. We love the big fish, small pond method of positioning, and that's a great way to do that. Um, So for example, rather than being a CRM for real estate agents, perhaps you're a CRM for real estate agents selling in the luxury market or however it is that you want to niche down. So Once we've defined and we've understood this audience, we can then move on to the second part of our framework for for demand generation. And we call that be helpful. Now this is about developing relationships with helpful and educational content. And this content should help make your dream customers' lives better. It's not product focused content, but it helps them in their role and it's educational and it's entertaining. It's exactly what we do with our podcast, the B2B playbook or Back to the luxury real estate example uh, with the CRM there. Their content program should be around maybe helping luxury real estate agents do their job easier. So it's very important in this stage that your content is driven by true subject matter experts so it genuinely is helpful. It's not enough to outsource this stuff to freelancers who don't have that expertise. And then it becomes about distributing it where your dream customers hang out so they see it and it guides them through their buying journey. Now that's really the second part of the framework and the third fundamental part of this framework is what we call be seen. So we had be ready, which is understanding your customers, be helpful, which is developing relationships with content and be seen is the third part. And that's all about accelerating the relationship building process and creating more demand. That's where Boovie, we use paid media to push this content to the buying committee of our key accounts and we also start to educate on the benefits of our product. It's really where you start to accelerate demand with key accounts. And if it's suitable for your business, you can place them into an account-based marketing program. And really, there are fundamentals for demand gen. The tactics within each of it can change, but they are the fundamental principles. It's about understanding people, finding ways to help them, and then leading them to the logical conclusion that, hey, uh, we are the perfect a solution to the problem that you're having. Yeah, it all starts with understanding your true customers, right? I mean, like understanding your ideal clients, then after that, who is the buying person inside ideal clients, then after that, we need to really understand where they really hang out, okay, where they spend the time, and then we need to really draft those content which really resonates with their problems, right? And uh, they consume that over a period of time, and once they are ready to buy, then, you know, we are on the top of their mind. Absolutely. So, let's talk about uh, uh, the role of content okay so right you know the content marketing is everywhere right so what do you think like how does this content marketing play to demand creation and generation so is there any specific types of content that work particularly well for this purpose because right now we have got these videos we have got this podcast we have got this text form we have got the carousel so which which content that you really think like works uh, better for demand creation yeah definitely look, look first of all demand creation is really all about how can we build a relationship with that prospective customer before they're ready to buy? There's lots of ways that you can do that. You could host roundtables, you can go to trade shows and events to develop relationships with key people. 
But still the best way to do this at scale is with content because that's one to many. I can put out one piece of content. It can be seen by thousands of people. Now, look, the secret to great content that builds relationships, I think, movie, it's not so much in the format. It's not so much in how it's all put together, but it's got to be content that's led by subject matter experts. Too many organizations, they outsource their content to freelancers or agencies that are simply just faking expertise. They're not coming up with anything original. But there's just nothing like getting your subject matter experts out there, making the lives of your dream customers better even before they're looking for a solution like yours. Personally, our favorite content framework that really maps our content to the buying journey is the five stages of awareness. So getting experts to cover material in accordance with the five stages of awareness, we find that's a very deadly combination. Yeah, so true. So let's talk about uh, balancing the act. Okay, so, uh, so right now we have got this demand creation and demand capture, right? So what do you think like the better proportion uh, between this demand creation and demand capture? Is there a recommended proportion or approach? Yeah, look, it's a big depends. Um, but some uh, generic advice would be, look, typically when a business starts, it's going to spend 100% on demand capture. I understand that. You're a small team. You need business right now. Why wouldn't you go after the lower funnel? What I do recommend once a system for capture is set up is to start dedicating 10 to 20% of that budget to demand creation. And as you find what works on the demand creation side, scale that up until you're spending 80% on creation and 20% on capture. Now you're not going to do that overnight. That's going to take time. But our main message to marketers, especially those in small teams, is that you need to have a plan when it comes to demand creation. You need to document that plan and you need to chip away at it in stages. You don't need to go from zero to 100 overnight. Once you have that plan, spend 20% of your time and budget executing it because the business probably needs you to keep spending 80% of the budget capturing demand. So do that. But over time, we're going to see that budget switch and we'd love to see a lot more in creation than capture. Yeah, that's a great recommendation because a lot of companies will be uh, totally relying on this demand capture initially, right? So it is really hard to switch so fast. So as you said, you mean like maintaining that proportion, like high proportion of the demand capture and slowly oh, you build that on the other side, the demand, because that is going to take a long time. Because yeah. Campaigns and everything. Yeah, you can do it overnight. Yeah. All right, folks, quick breather here. In my time in B2B marketing, generally I've come to realize that there are just certain tools that can be an absolute game changer. And that's why I'm really excited to talk about Leadfeeder. Uh, it's a tool that helps you cut through the data and turn those website visitors into solid leads and opportunities for your business. Leadfeeder shows you which companies are checking out your site, tracking their behavior, and it integrates all of this with your CRM. And the result is it's basically like a secret weapon for targeted lead engagement, and it really makes it easier for your team to convert website traffic into sales. Head to leadfeeder.com, give it a free demo, and you'll also get a free extended premium trial when you let the rep know that you found out about Leadfeeder through the B2B Playbook podcast. That's leadfeeder.com. Okay, check it out. Back to the show. Exactly, and look, I'm if you're a marketing manager and or you're a performance marketer and you're bringing in all these marketing qualified leads and it's feeding a team of salespeople, first of all, you've got to prove that 
the value you're getting from those leads is not worth it for sales. So you've got to make a business case for this just to begin with. Uh, because at the end of the day, if you're just turning off the tap of leads that are feeding sales, well, you've got a whole sales team that all of a sudden are twiddling their thumbs and what are they doing? You've got to justify why this uh, method of operating is too inefficient for the business and it's something that's preventing it from growing. So I think that's something that marketers really need to start with as well, is making that business case before making that switch. So true. it's really hard for the marketers as well to convince the <laughs> leadership of doing that. Yeah, so true. So let's talk about how to measure this. I mean, like right now we have got this demand creation, right? So what are the metrics or indicators? Okay, what are the metrics or indicators that is really prioritized to measure the success of the efforts in demand creation? Yeah, look, um, measurement is a really, really key part. And I think poor measurement is a big reason why so many demand gen programs fail or get canceled early before we start to get results from them. So we like to look for leading indicators and lagging indicators. So the leading is what to look for in that first 60 days to know if you're on the right track. The lagging is looking back to know, hey, we've clearly made an impact. So some of the leading ones, we again break that down into quantitative and qualitative. The quantitative leading ones that we look at are things like, is our content getting views and engagements from our ICP? Are we seeing an increase in brand traffic to our website? Are we getting engaged landing page views? Are the videos that we're running, is a high percentage of them being watched? Are we getting an increase on followers from our ICP on social platforms? Are we attracting more people from our ICP to our website uh, every week? Some of the qualitative is the content feedback that you can get uh, if you're distributing your content on social platforms. So we always get uh, DMs on LinkedIn. Um, even companies that don't have people who are as public facing, often they still get comments on their content as well. So you can look for engagement from your ICP there. Um, often you'll see signs of life in feedback from sales. So people take uh, meetings with the sales team and they'll mention, hey, by the way, um, I actually noticed you guys put out a piece of content on XYZ. I found that really helpful. Or, hey, I follow your podcast, whatever it might be. They're all leading indicators. Lagging, again, is what you should look at to, uh, when you're looking back to see how did we go? Did we actually make a tangible impact on revenue? And so, again, the quantitative side of things there, you want to look at the number of high intent revenue opportunities that's being generated from your marketing activities. You want to see, are we getting marketing source pipeline and revenue? So that might come in the form of demo requests or contact forms, however it is that you capture people. Pipeline velocity is another one that you want to look like look at, and of course, customer acquisition costs. In terms of the qualitative, uh, feedback from sales is another one that you're going to get, and self-reported attribution. So in your contact form, having a classic, how did you first hear about us, um, mandatory field in there that people fill out that'll often tell you, I found you through your podcast, I follow you on YouTube, um, I came to your virtual event, people tend to tell you how it is that they came in contact with you in the first place. Yeah, so true. Because in demand creation, I feel like rather than depending upon this attribution software, right, I think we have to do a lot of things manually, right? Because sales team has to ask the customer, how did you find about it? We have to clearly see the CRM, like how much the marketing source pipeline has been generated and how the customer acquisition is going, whether it's going up or whether it's going down. 
So they are like, and ultimately the revenue part, right? So ultimately what I out, if you are doing the demand creation for the next two years, or so probably three years, effectively how much revenue has been generated. So that is a true indicator, even though we have got all these uh, small indicators over there. So excellent inputs, uh, George, over there. So let's talk about some common challenges that B2B marketers face every single day when trying to create and generate demand. Normally, uh, what we said is we have to capture the demand, right? So we are trying to do the opposite here. So how we can overcome uh, this kind of challenges, the normal challenges that we see in demand creation? Yeah, I mean, look, there's so many hurdles they face. I would say getting buy-in is normally one of the biggest ones, getting buy-in from leadership to go and do this. Marketers, they need to explain to leadership why capturing demand alone doesn't work. And executives, they don't want a lesson in marketing, right? They don't care about that. They just want the business to grow. So you've got to put yourself in their shoes. You've got to make a business case. You've got to say, hey, this is why I think we should allocate our budget in this way. So I would say you've got to start by showing them forecasts of what is going to happen if you just continue your existing activity. That could be your cost per lead or your cost per acquisition getting to levels that are out of control. It could be that you're showing very low MQL to SQL rates. It could be showing that, hey, sales ignore the majority of MQLs we send them because there's so much distrust there uh, because they're just rubbish leads. And so what we're doing currently is not working. I would also go on, if you can, to try and explain why this is the case. I always said before that we don't want to give executives a lesson in marketing because that's not what they care about. But if you show them that research that's done by Bain & Co, people normally trust them, that the market is actually tiny if you're a new player and you need to build that trust. We spoke about the fact that only 3% of your buyers are in market right now, but only 20% of that 3% are going to consider buying from you if they haven't heard of you before. So the potential to operate there is tiny. I would then also recommend for marketers that they, rather than going from zero to 100 and trying to get a huge budget for demand creation, they need to take the time to build out a pilot program for demand creation. Give it time, report back on how it went, just spend 10% of your time on it, 10% of your budget. If it worked, great. There's a business case there to scale it. And that's something that you can put to leadership. Um, I would say probably one more challenge related to that is marketers just don't have the time to put together this longer term demand creation strategy. They're so busy reacting to the immediate needs of the business. They're redoing the website. They're doing sales enabled content. They're getting ready for their next event. They have so much going on. And that was a big reason why we built the B2B incubator where we give you everything we need to get that pilot demand gen program together. Because once you have that together, once you have the strategy there, you can just chip away at it over time in your spare time to get it off the ground. Probably one of the last challenges I want to touch on is motivating internal subject matter experts to help you out with content. We give people techniques to incentivize them, um, to try and get those subject matter experts to help you, because I think that's a big part of demand creation. But the worst case scenario, if you don't have anyone in the organization that's willing to get on camera or get on LinkedIn <laughs> and be really helpful, the marketer themselves, you can be the host of the party, right? You can invite subject matter experts from other businesses, from other influential people in the market to come and share their ideas. And that still gets associated with your brand. So where there's a will, there's a way. Um, 
take it in stages. You don't need to go from zero to a hundred all at once. So true. Like for, see, if you want to do demand creation as a B2B marketer, definitely you have to face a lot of challenges, right? I think if you have some common sense and if you have got a lot of passion towards it, definitely you can overcome a lot of challenges. But the most difficult one would be like the first one, the last one that you said. First one is getting the buying from the approval from the leadership, convincing them. That's the most difficult thing. The last one that you said is someone has to be on the camera. Like definitely if you're running a technology company, you have got all these technology experts, right? So definitely getting onto the camera and make them, making them talk because that's what the ideal clients want because they want their problems to solve through technology, right? So if the technology experts can come on the camera, can they can talk about it. Definitely marketers can augment that. Marketers can run the show, they can run the podcast. But, and that's the most difficult, the first, the last. Because I can relate from my experience, it's so, so difficult. I think a lot of other things, definitely as a marketer, we can solve it if you have a lot of sense and passion towards it. It... Oh, yeah. sorry, I was just going to add, look, it, it is a challenge and I think it comes back to marketers needing to earn their trust as someone who deserves a seat at the table. And that's why I think it needs to start with the business case and saying, this is why what we're doing right now is not going to keep working for us. And if you can show that, then if your leadership, you're looking at your marketer and going, yes, this person is a marketer, but they're thinking about our business. They're thinking about what we need to achieve. And then I'm actually going to lean on their intuition and their skill to take us on a different route because they've thought about that. Whereas if you flipped it the other way and you said, oh, hey, boss, I think we need to have a podcast. And they're like, well, why? If we if Google Ads is going okay, we need more money there. We're not going to give you money to do a podcast. You're starting on the back foot. So I think you've got to start by positioning yourself in the shoes, you know, of the person that you're trying to convince. It's just good marketing movie. It's the same thing, right? <laughs> internal and external. Yeah, true, man. That's a marketing. We have to do that external and as well as internal. Absolutely. So true all the time. So let's talk about something like uh, the influencer technology and demand creation. So there, right now, there are a lot of tools with advent of AI. So there are a lot of marketing technology tools there. So, so is there any specific tools that you would highly recommend for you know, so that if you're doing demand creation, which you think like it'll be really helpful. Yeah, look, you're right. Technology has massively reduced the cost and the skill set required to get a great demand creation program off the ground, just to get a pilot off the ground. You don't need a production team. You don't need expensive microphones and cameras. I'm using my iPhone right now. This is a $100 mic, but my laptop would be just fine. Um, often the camera and the microphone on your laptop is a great place to start. And I think you use Descript as well. Descript is the editing tool that we use. It's an AI editing tool. They have a studio filter um, that you can apply to your voice, which makes it sound that you're like you're in a studio and you're like, <laughs> I'm just recording off this terrible mic or I've even done it off my laptop and it takes that and makes you sound amazing. So there are so many great tools. Um, but yeah, look, I love Descript. I love using Canva as well. And ChatGPT is really helpful to repurpose that content because the way that we get people to run their demand creation content is with the pillar piece of content that's then repurposed. And so all of our content is a derivative of our own podcast that we do every week. And so the more efficiently we can repurpose that, the better it is for us. And ChatGPT is helping us to do that. We're still figuring out how to get it to be as good as possible, how to get it beyond just being a rough first draft. Um, but we can see the enormous potential there. What about you? I'd love to hear. What, what have you been using that's been particularly useful? 
Yeah, I, the thing is for the scripting and everything for like for generating content ideas, for generating content builders, for a lot of content variations, definitely I use ChatGPT and I use ChatGPT for the paid version. And that is really good. I would say like as compared to the free version, the GPT-4 is really good. So generating content ideas, all this stuff done by ChatGPT. Then after that, for editing the videos, I use Descript because Descript has a lot of power in uh, generating subtitle. And it has got integration right now with other video elements and everything. So you can bring the video elements. Only thing is you should have some real sense. For example, right now when I'm doing these short form videos, I should be having a clear sense. For example, like when I'm saying B2B, I should have a clear icon over there. If I'm saying customer acquisition cost, you should have a clear icon over there. So when people see that icons and me, they should be able to relate that. So this tool is really helping me. Otherwise, I have to go to Google, find some image, I have to import it over here. So in the one, you know, I'm able to do that every, you know, in one way. So that is something like so ChatGPT, Descript, and right now the Riverside.fm. So is is I think is even though we are paying some money towards it every single month, I think it's really really helping you in a lot of way. Like you can really uh, recollect your revenues after <laughs> some yeah. bit of time. The money yeah. that you're given to the tools is really you know nothing. Definitely. Look, one of the ways that we use it is um, once the the video podcast is recorded as you said descript translates it like does the transcript it's amazing at it it's so fast and easy to edit we then just export that transcript as a pdf upload that to ChatGPT. then we've got a whole lot of instructions saying uh, suggest seven youtube shorts to do from this based on the timestamps available um, suggest 10 different titles for the youtube video um, and then we fed it the template that we want for the YouTube description and basically just get it to fill out all the things based on the transcript, like where the chapter should go. And that saves us an enormous amount of time. So that's just one workflow that we've been using. And then we're playing around with other workflows, which then take that transcript to suggest three article ideas, give us an outline for that to use direct quotes from it as well. Um, because I'm yeah, look, and this is the amazing thing about when you have subject matter experts leading the center piece, pillar piece of content is the repurposing of it can be done by someone else, can be done with a heavy dose of AI because the source material is still from an expert. And so it can directly quote you. It's original. We're not just pulling stuff from the internet and amalgamating it. There's still original thought there. Yeah, right. So I think uh, things are a lot easier. Only thing is people have to come on the camera, people have to talk. That's it. I think from that uh, long form content itself, I think you can produce a lot of blog content, a lot of short form content, a lot of uh, video shorts, and that can be published to the different platforms. And now I have to tell you some truth, man. I think you said the word repurposing, right? Because, uh, what's the first time I've heard the word repurposing? I think that was from you. Because <laughs> I saw one of your LinkedIn posts. I think, I think it was before my eight months, I guess. I think you made a post, something like, I, this is why I do the content. I make a long-form podcast this week. Then after that, I get some uh, seven short-form content, some uh, one blog content. So that's the first time I'm hearing the word repurposing. Then I, I then I saw that in a lot of LinkedIn creators. I think that is pretty easy. Even for me right now, uh, I was doing the short-form videos. Right now, you know, I'm doing this podcast. So from this uh, video alone, I can generate some tens of content, right? From you, from mine, right? It's pretty easy. So one of the things is we have to make sure that uh, the frame, everything's correct. Now I'm working on that part as well. <laughs> to <make this> better. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, it makes life so much easier. And we've got to this stage, but it took us two years to get there. Um, our first bit of repurposing was literally just, can we go from a podcast to getting three LinkedIn text posts out per week? 
And that was our first challenge. And once we did that consistently, we said, can we get to five a week? And then we said, okay, can we get to five a week and start including some images? And we just kept building it up really slowly. And now, you know, it takes us barely any time at all. Is it three years? Two years, two years, wow, man. two years, two years putting it together for ourselves, right? And so people can do that. And that's why, I'm sorry to mention it again, that's why we see value and people see value in something like the incubator because that's where we give you the things that we wish that we had two years ago to stop you from doing that. Or I suppose if you had the money, you could go out and pay someone to try and build all these assets for you. But we're really firm believers of building these processes in-house first, documenting it, and then either insourcing or outsourcing because you remain in control. Excellent, man. So let's talk about some, I know, some real-world examples. I think we actually came to the end of this podcast. Uh, this is like a last question over here. So could you please share a, a real-life case study or example where focus on demand, where you focused on the demand creation, right? So uh, how that led to a significant business growth or transformation? So do you have any real-life case study or example to share with us? Yeah, yeah for sure. Look, I can share one of our past students actually from the B2B incubator. Um, she was a CMO who came into the program for her business called Rivet Work. Now their software helps construction project managers keep track of their trade workers. The program that they put together in the B2B incubator is really a video series hosted by their internal subject matter experts and they share their framework for better workforce management so people can improve their contracting business. It's a whole media asset with episodes where they dive into all the pains that their dream customers have and how to solve them. They're really the first people to address the pains of this audience. Like no one is really doing this. Everyone's trying to sell to them, but no one's like, hey, being in construction is hard. It's really hard, but it doesn't have to be. Here are things to make your life way easier. Here's a framework that you can apply to your own business to make it easier. And then what do you know? Their piece of software helps you do all of that too. And look, I'm not allowed to talk about specific numbers, but the CMO just posted on LinkedIn about it last week and she tagged our program, spoke about it. And she said that this has been one of the pillars for their growth for this year since they finished the program. It's been a real backbone for them. Um, and she's gone on to become a huge raving fan of ours and has referred a bunch of people to the program, which is amazing. Um, so obviously it was a really key unlock for them in growing their brand. Um, I can say for us, look, we are entirely demand creation focused. Um, we don't do any capture demand at all. Um, but we're not running any paid capture demand. That is every piece of business we do is through inbound through our demand creation efforts. Um, Recently, we tried to run what we called the perfect B2B marketing campaign. Uh, one of our listeners, she was a very long time listener. We owed her $500 uh, because she referred someone to the B2B incubator. We pay out a 20% referral fee. I saw that. Yeah, saw that. she yeah she rejected the payment because she said she'd got so much value from the podcast. And we thought, gee, that's so nice. Maybe we can use this as an opportunity to create a really fun campaign with other influencers of our audience. So what we did was we said, let's take that $500, invest it in LinkedIn ads and give her 20% of whatever it is that we make. Uh, to make it the perfect campaign, we teamed up with uh, customer research expert, Ryan Gibson, 
with Jess Cook to help us with our landing page and copywriting and messaging, with Justin Rowe, who's a LinkedIn ad strategy guru, and Pasha Urshad, who's like a HubSpot whiz. We documented the whole process. We released it for everyone as we went. And we ended up getting a 38 to 1 return on ad spends from, uh, I think it was about $1,500, $2,000 worth of ad spend in the end. So we got about $145,000 in uh, sales qualified pipeline from it, um, from just that tiny investment, which was pretty awesome. You, you said uh, $2,500 as an upfront investment in the lead ads, and then you got $145,000 in pipeline. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, and look, that is because we have been nurturing that audience for so long. And because yeah. they've been following us for a really long time, most of the people that we spoke to, they're like, oh, I listened to your podcast or I've been following your content on LinkedIn for the last six months. Or because we collaborated with people that they trusted, they go, oh, I follow Jess Cook and I discovered you because she was involved with this project and you solve a pain that I have right now and I trust you because I trust Jess. And so we're just leveraging trust that we've built with our audience already or leveraging the trust that others have built with their audience. But it only works if you're out there to genuinely be helpful, to genuinely help people, and they can see that you're an expert and you've earning the trust over the last whatever period it is. So one of the clear advantage of this one is something like this: like it'll reduce the customer acquisition cost for sure. Because you said like you service one customer, he was really happy. Then after that, he referred a lot of other customers. So for the rest of the customers, I think you didn't spend even a dime to acquire the customer, right? So basically, you probably want to spend probably $500 or $1,000 to acquire the first customer. Now the next three customers came for free. So when you divide that by number four, it's only some $250 to acquire one single customer. So that is, I mean, like if your service is really good, I mean, like to really know the audience and if you do this demand creation really well, definitely the customer acquisition goes, to, uh, customer acquisition cost definitely goes down uh, over a period of time. Absolutely. It does. it does. It comes down over time and we know it's something that's just going to keep compounding. As long as we keep operating in this demand generation sphere and we keep talking about demand generation and we keep building our influence in this limited sphere, we're just going to become a bigger and bigger fish in a relatively smallish sized pond. And as we do that, our customer acquisition costs are going to drop. Now, one day, hopefully, one day, hopefully, Booby. We're going to run out of people to buy in that market, in that demand gen market. And then that's fine. We can just slightly reposition what we're doing. So look, one day, hopefully, um, we will run out of people or we won't be able to grow past a certain point because everyone who wants to do demand generation is coming to us to learn how to do it and get certified. I mean, look, that market alone is huge. But if we did run out of that, that's fine. We can just reposition our business as saying, hey, all of a sudden, we're not just demand generation, but we're actually a way for getting sales and marketing alignment. It's effectively the same thing, right? Yeah. It's a, you're effectively doing the exact same thing. Sure, there's a couple little tweaks you might make, but that's a whole other market. And it's a much bigger market. Demand generation is one type of marketing, but the fundamentals that we apply to it can be applied to so many different areas of marketing. And that's why I think... Um, marketers and businesses they shouldn't be afraid of trying to be the big fish in the small pond because there's nothing stopping you from moving to another pond in the future once you outgrow it 
Yeah, true. Because we are not really sure. Because we are not sure like how this market will get saturated over a period of time. Because even though you are focusing on niche at this time, right? We are not really sure like how that will be. The trends will be changing. How that we can become saturated. So that time we have to take some different decisions. So that we have to repush ourselves. Absolutely yep. true. Yeah, we always said to ourselves, look, if we didn't get the traction that we wanted, we'll just niche down one level further. If demand generation for small B two B marketing teams wasn't niche enough, we'll be B two B marketing. Demand generation for small B two B marketing teams who are in SaaS, who are in the tech, you know, tech space, whatever it might be, they can always add another layer on. Excellent, there, man. Excellent, there. So I think I learned a lot from you, George. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. So, um, so if anyone wants to contact George, I am going to include his LinkedIn profile with his YouTube video description, and as well as uh, the B two B playbook link, everything over here with his YouTube video description. So, is there any other way? Uh, they can contact you, Josh, other than this LinkedIn profile or probably your website. Yeah, look, as I said, the b2bplaybook.com is where we keep really all of our materials. Uh, go and add me on LinkedIn. If you have any questions, reach out. I answer absolutely everything um, and everyone there. So, yeah, probably LinkedIn is the best place to get a hold of me. Excellent. So, uh, thank you so much, Josh, for your time. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much, Boo. It was a lot of fun. Great to chat with you.